Thank you, Desiree. That was a very restful, beautiful song, wasn't it? Well, good to have you in God's house today. I hope you're glad that you're here in the service, and I hope you're ready to worship and look into His Word as we've sung the hymns and as we've praised Him in song. Let's come to the Word of God now. Take your Bibles to Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter 4. We do have a baptism in the next service. We have seven people being baptized, and... Uh, Excited about that and the opportunity there. If you want to stick around for the early part of the service, we're going to do that right after the first song. But uh, we thank God for the ones that are getting saved. We said recently somebody saved in the first step class, and so that was a blessing too. Thankful for the ones that are getting saved and God's using in their life and the way God is working here at Triad. So grateful for that. Stand with me now. We're going to read Mark chapter 4. I'm going to read verses 1 to 20. It's a lengthy portion of Scripture, but I'd like to cover it all today. It all goes together. Follow along now as I read. And he began again to teach by the seaside. And there was gathered unto him a great multitude, so they entered into a ship and sat in the sea. And the whole multitude was by the sea on the land. And he taught them many things by parables and said unto them in his doctrine, Hearken, behold, there sent out a sower to sow. And it came to pass as he sowed, some fell by the wayside, and the fowls of the air came and devoured it up. Some fell on stony ground where it had not much earth, and immediately it sprang up because it had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, it was scorched, and because it had no root, it withered away. Some fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it and yielded no fruit. Another fell on good ground and did yield fruit that sprang up and increased and brought forth some thirty and some sixty and some an hundred. And he said unto them, He that hath ears to hear, let him hear. And when he was alone, they were about him with the twelve, asked of him the parable. He said unto them, It is given to you to know the mystery of the kingdom of God, but unto them that are without, all these things are done in parables, that seeing they may see and not perceive, hearing they may hear and not understand, lest at any time they should be converted and their sins should be forgiven them. And he said to them, Know ye not this parable, and how then will ye know all parables? The sower soweth the word, and these are they by the wayside, where the word is sown. But when they have heard, Satan immediately taketh away the word that was sown in their hearts. And these are they likewise which are sown on stony ground, who when they have heard the word, immediately receive it with gladness, and have no root in themselves, and so endure for a time. Afterward, when affliction or persecution arises for the word's sake, immediately they are offended. These are they which are sown among thorns, such as hear the word, And the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches and the lusts of other things entering in choke the word, and it becometh unfruitful. And these are they which are sown on good ground, such as hear the word and receive it and bring forth fruit, some thirtyfold, some sixty, and some a hundred. You may be seated. I've entitled this message today, Weeds Don't Like Wheat. Weeds Don't Like Wheat. Wheat. A sower went out to sow some seed in a field. And he sowed that seed. And when he sowed that seed, he faced obstacles. He faced opposition. He faced some weeds because of the birds of the air, because of the scorching sun, and because of the thorns. 
There was all kinds of problems and calamities for the sower. It is naive to think that the planning of good exempts us from the presence of bad. That's what I want you to hold on to today. I want you to get that firmly stuck in your mind as I get into this passage and explain it to you and tell you what's going on here. It is naive to think that the planting of good exempts us from the presence of bad. Keep that in your heart. There will be bad in your life. But if you'll give it enough time, it'll take time, but if you'll give it enough time, the seed will grow. The seed will grow. Sometimes you say, I keep sowing and sowing and sowing, and I don't see anything. I don't see anything. Always remember this, okay? The seed goes down before it goes up. And though you can't see the roots that are growing, they're there. You just got to give it enough time. You got to give it enough time. There will be a harvest because what God is after in your life and in the lives of others that you impact, He wants to take it from seed to wheat to bread. Seed to wheat to bread. And so He uses this parable to teach us. I want to get into this a little today. This is the first time Mark departs from the narrative of what Jesus did. Chapters 1 to 3, everything that Jesus was doing. He was an active man back in that day. Up to now, it's always been the acts and actions of Jesus. But he comes to chapter 4, and Mark isn't going to talk about the actions of Jesus. Now he's going to give an extended amount of time to talk about what Jesus said, what he preached this was his main way of preaching. And so Mark wants to capitalize on that now, and that is the use of parables. Now, what's a parable? I'm going to give you a simple definition as I jump into this today. To place something along something else for the purpose of illustration. That was his favorite way to teach. To place something along something else for the purpose of illustration. That's what a parable is, just plain and simple. They're also called the mysteries of the kingdom. Mysteries of the kingdom. Like a divine secret. God has divine secrets. I like to call it the king's secret. He has secrets that he keeps from certain people. But he reveals the divine secrets of the mysteries of the kingdom to those that are looking for it, seeking it in their life. The truth of the matter is, when he says in verse 11, he says, Unto you it is given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God, but unto them that are without, all these things are done in parables. Well, why are they done in parables? Verse 12, he quotes Isaiah here, that seeing they may see and not perceive, and hearing they may hear and not understand, lest at any time they should be converted and their sins should be forgiven them. God says there's some people I'm never going to forgive their sins. Say, wait a minute, God actually doesn't want people to get saved? We've got to keep it in the context. If you don't keep it in the context, you'll make a mess of that verse. Why is he hiding the message of the gospel from some people, but revealing it to other people? We well, have to understand, because people have already tried to plot his death. 
People have already tried to say he's possessed by a demon. And God says, I'm going no further with you. And I'm going to start talking in parables, and only those who follow me will get them. But those that don't really want me in their life don't believe I'm the Son of God. I'm not going to go deeper with them. So I hide my stories now in parables. And those people, until they recognize that I'm the Son of God, until they recognize that, they will never be forgiven. Because you can never be forgiven by God until you recognize that Jesus Christ came in the flesh to go to a cross and shed His blood for your sin. But you've got to say, that's God who hung on that cross who died for me. See, you can never find forgiveness. So that's what he means by they'll never be converted. They'll never find forgiveness until they first see him as the Son of God. Come into the Word as God, the world, is God in flesh. And I could say a lot more about that, but I don't want to do that right now at this time. Let's keep moving, okay? So, in the mystery of this parable, one thing that's very clear that God wants us to understand is the vast majority of the people on earth will reject Christ. And he wants us to know that, because if, if we don't know that, we could get discouraged. We could say, Lord, I'm trying to sow some seed out there. I'm trying to see people come to Jesus Christ. I'm trying to see the Word go forth. And man, so few people want it today. God says, don't worry about it. You want a, want a perspective? One in four. One in four. But 75% of the world is going to reject Christ. That's an amazing thought. Now, I don't know if you should keep that number as accurate. That was just a way to speak it so you could understand it. But I want you to understand this, that when, when you share the Word of God, there are four responses that you will get. When the Word of God is sown, here's my outline, there are four types of soil that represent the four kinds of hearts of people. Okay, let's jump into this. Ready? Number one. The first heart is the unresponsive heart. The unresponsive heart. That's one person you will meet out there in your world when you share the gospel. The unresponsive heart. Now look what he says in verse 3. He says, hearken. You see that word hearken? It's the first time he used it in Mark. That's important when you have the first mention of a word in the book of Mark. Hearken. He's going to tell a story. He's going to tell a parable. But he said, hearken. You see that word hearken there? It's not just listen to me. It's not just listen to me. There's actually a prefix in front of the Greek verb, and the word in Greek is the word hupo. Hupo. We get the English word hyper. Hyper. So what Jesus is saying, hyper listen to me. Hyper listen. Okay, that's a, that's a good way to say it. Hyper listen. Just because you hear me, doesn't mean you're going to learn. Did you hear that? Just because you listen to me today doesn't mean you're going to learn. You've got to hyper-listen. Hyper-listen. My daughter-in-law, Morgan, was running children's church at the church plant that my son is doing, and she was telling her two boys, now if you get hyper in children's church, I'm going to punish you, and you're going to go have to sit in the big people's church. That's how she punishes them. You're going to have to go sit out there in the bed. That, that really encouraged me as a pastor. Send them out there for punishment. And so I thought, that's a big word for my daughter-in-law to be using with her two little boys. One was five years old and one's eight. And 
Asher was five years old, and I, so I piped up a question to him. I said, Asher, what, do, what does hyper mean? Your mom says, if you get hyper, what does that mean? He said, Papa, it's when your body tries to tell you to do one thing, and you can't help but do it. Oh, man, I got a kick out of that. That is, that is that's the out of the mouths of babes right there. And about that time, Judah, who's eight years old, piped up and he said, Papa, Asher gets a lot of spankings. <laughs> oh, I have fun with those grandkids. I know I'm a mess. I, grandparents just change dramatically, don't they? Okay, but that's the word there to hyper listen, okay? Jesus is concerned right now for you that you can be physically present here, but spiritually absent. So listen twice, he says. Hyper-listen to me. Because it is so easy, and I'm concerned about that too as a pastor, because it is so easy to hear the word, and you are so used to it, you've probably heard this story 15 times in your life. And you don't hear it anymore because you're so used to hearing it. You know all the stories, and it's tempting to just kind of tune out. And so Jesus says, hyper-listen to me. Listen to me. All right, verse 3. We know this about verse 3 when he goes out to sow. First of all, we know the sower is God. Ultimately, the sower is God. The seed is the Word of God. We know that from the passage as he interprets it later. The soil is the hearts of everyone in the world. The soil is the hearts of everyone in the world. And so the sower goes out, and he just kind of throws the seed out there. He just throws it out there. Think about that for a minute, okay? He throws it on the beaten down path where the, the ground is pound hard because people have walked over it. He, he throws it over there where there's just a little soil and there's rocks underneath so there's not much soil there and he throws it over there and then he throws it where there's thorns and then he throws it on some good soil. Now, if you were a farmer today, would you waste all that seed throwing it everywhere? Would you be that indiscriminate about it? Wouldn't you, wouldn't you be kind of purposeful and say, I'm going to, I'm going to, if you look at farmers, man, they till the soil, they prepare the soil, they put fertilizer in the soil, they do all kinds of things, and then they make sure the seed only goes there. But not God. Not God. He's an indiscriminate sower. He's indiscriminate. He just, he just kind of haphazardly throws the seed. No, no farmer would do that today. So I... So a sower went over to Lowe's this week and I bought some seed. Put it out in my front yard because I had some work done out in the yard. Had a little seed left. I put it purposely where I wanted to. But not Jesus. He takes the seed and he just throws it over there. Now, how much of that think will come up? Not much. It's a terrible place to throw the seed. But that's what Jesus does. He just throws it out. Now, I'd throw it out at them and get it all over their hair, but I'd get in trouble. But Jesus just kind of throws it out. That's how he does it. Now, think about that for a minute. This is the way Jesus works. 
He spreads it everywhere indiscriminately. He doesn't care where he throws it. He's going to get the word out. He will cast his pearls before swine. He will give his word to people that have no interest in it. As a matter of fact, they're hostile to it. But he'll make sure they get it. He'll throw it out to them. Because it was God's choice. It was God's choice to take the word of God and be the only seed that can save people. So he wanted to make sure everybody had a chance. Didn't matter if they were piled down, trodden down soil, whether they were full of thorns, didn't matter what they had in their life, God said, I'm going to throw it everywhere. I'm going to get my seed out because that's the only thing that can save people. And whether they accept it or reject it, I'm going to get it there. They can reject it, but one day that will be a testimony against them when their life's over. Because it's appointed on the man once to die. And after this, the judgment. That's a pretty raw verse. But he's going to get his word everywhere. The point is this, that God's sowing is sovereign. He will bring to pass what he intends, whether they reject it or accept it. Now, in the first case, he throws it out where it's trodden down. And the birds see it. What do we know about the birds? Look at verse 15. He's going to explain this first one on the unresponsive heart. These are they by the wayside, the trodden down path where the word is sown. But when they have heard it, Satan cometh immediately and taketh the word which was sown in their hearts. Satan sends out his dirty birds. I always knew there was a verse on why birds shouldn't be honored in life. That's it right there. He sends out his dirty birds, and before the word can get into their heart, down under their hardened heart, the birds eat it and take it away. Immediately, the Bible says. Some of you have gardens. You know the dangers of birds. You put that garden out, you've got to watch the birds. When I put this seed out in my front yard, every morning I'd wake up, there'd be all kinds of birds eating my seed. I'd go down, get so mad, I'd go down the steps, get out of there! Get away! I want those blades of grass. I don't want you eating them up. And it's the same way for you plant gardens. You got, you got birds, what else you got? You got rabbits and all kinds of junior grade demons. I don't know, but, but you got all kinds trying to get your seed. But it's hard ground. The reason they get it so easily is because they have unresponsive hearts. They're hardened by life. Life's just kind of beat them up. And they're tough. And nothing's going to get through to them. You can't talk to them. You try to confront them. You try to talk to them. You try to have a... No, I don't want to hear it. They just, they're just hardened. And the Word never gets in. The Word never gets in. It's like pouring water on a rock. Does no good. They're callous. Their persistent refusal to walk in the light. They hardly hear the message here today. They came, but they're not listening. 
They don't want to hear about their sin. They don't want to hear about their weaknesses. They don't want to hear about their failures. Don't tell me about that. And they will not reflect on it. They just kind of shut it out. That's why my experience, and this used to discourage me, that's why I've been kicked out of homes. That's why I've been rejected. That's why I've had doors slammed in my face over my pastorate. Not just because I'm a pastor, but because I've tried to share the word. I want to be honest with people. I want to be straightforward with people. They don't want to hear it. They don't want to hear it. And I've learned that's the perfect will of God for me, to be rejected. Perfect will of God to have somebody kick you out of their house because you told them the truth. Kind of like those scribes and Pharisees, all right? This is what he's really talking about here in this context. Isn't it amazing they would never stop and reflect on the fact that how's this guy doing all this? How is he casting out so many demons? How is he doing so many miracles? How is he providing all of this food for people that he does it with five loaves and two fishes? They never gave one thought to the fact Could it be God in the flesh? No. No, not one thought. Just outright opposition and anger at him. That's a hard heart. It's a hard heart. Okay, that's the unresponsive heart. Number two, the impulsive heart. The impulsive heart. This is in verse 5, 6, and then the explanation is in verse 16 and 17. Look at verse 16 and 17. These are they... Likewise, which are sown on stony ground, who when they have heard the word, immediately receive it with gladness, but they have no root in themselves, and so endure for a time. But afterward, when affliction or persecution arises for the word's sake, immediately they are offended. This is the impulsive heart. The impulsive heart. This is where the soil only goes down a couple inches. I've been in Israel, and the soil goes down a couple inches, and then you hit bedrock. You can't see the bedrock because it's under a couple of inches of soil, but underneath it is this hard stone, these stones that are all over the place in Israel. The seed gets in, but it doesn't get down. So they hear the word of God. They jump up with resounding joy, saying, oh, that's it. That's what I've been looking for all of my life. Oh, yes, I want Jesus. This is what I need. And then the scorching sun comes out. And they don't have the depth. They don't have the roots going down. And the sun just dries that up and scorches it and kills that grass or that fruit that was supposed to come up. What does that mean? Well, they face some trials in their life. They face some persecution. They go through some rough time. It's like a person who just keeps getting saved over and over and over again. i got to get saved again. I'm not living right. I I live for God for a little while, then I'm out there in the world, and they get saved over and over again. It's like the lady who cried out during the service. The the man came forward for the tenth time for salvation. She cries out in the service as he's going forward, Don't fill him, Lord. He leaks. Y'all know people like that. They're here this morning. They have the appearance that they want to follow God. They feel a joy to come hear the word of God. But they're going to be cussing on Monday. And they're going to be criticizing on Tuesday. 
And they, they got no root. There's no reality to their walk. It's just something they do. See, that, that's what he's talking about here is, is, is this person gets saved and they love the Christian life and then they start to learn it's a life of surrender. It's a, it's a life of fighting their tongue. It's a light of, life of fighting what their eyes look at and their fleshly appetites and all those things start to move in on them and they think, wow, I, I didn't know I was going to have to endure. I didn't know I was going to have to sacrifice like this. And then life just happens to them. They lose a loved one. Or they lose a job. Or they go with, down with some sickness. And all of a sudden they lose focus. Their concept of God doesn't match up to what they're experiencing. They're like, this is the Christian life? This is what you're going to do to me, God? This is what I'm going to have to go through to follow you? I'm out. Any God who'd do that to me, I don't want him. Those people would treat you like that at church. I don't want to be around them. See, it's, it's just some things in their life that just kind of knock them off the path. And the word, never, the word never gets down deep enough in their life. And they say, God, I'm out of here. They can't weather the heat. They can't weather the heat. That's the impulsive heart. I have seen it over and over again, and many of you have. Let's go on, number three, the preoccupied heart. The preoccupied heart. Verse 7, and then verse 18 and 19. Let's just read 18 and 19. And these are they which are sown among thorns, such as hear the word, and the cares of this world, and the deceitfulness of riches, and the lust of other things entering in, choke the word, and it becometh unfruitful. Now, follow this, okay? The first one, the word couldn't get in. The second one, the word got in, but it couldn't get down. Here, the word got in, it got down, but it couldn't get up. Couldn't get up. It was a preoccupied heart. This is the person who makes the profession. There's joy in their life. They begin to sprout up and take root. But the thorns of life, the enemy has provided the thorns of life to take hold of that sprout and choke it. Just choke it. What is the thorns of life? They're the cares of life. They're the cares of life. It just kind of sucks the faith right out of them. Ugh! They're choking. They make a profession of faith, but they are intoxicated by the vices of this world. Money, fame, lust, whatever it is. doesn't matter. Whatever it is. And what they professed is ah, choked out of them. Choked out. They're too busy. They're too busy. They're fretting over the cares of the world. They got car payments. Ugh. They got equity lines. Ugh. They got to spend time over here. They got to do this, and they're running there, and they're running here, but they have been choked by the cares of life. 
and the seed just kind of gets sucked out of them. They get sidetracked by the, by the things of the world. If they have no money, they want money. If they got money, they want more. The cares of the world just kind of suck it right out of them. And the word can never really sprout up because what they professed is choked out of them. Well, they profess it, but they can, you can just see it being choked out of them. Now, I want to say this. This is a little aside, but I want to say this. I want to warn you, okay? I, I, I'm not God, but I do want you to understand this passage. No one was ever justified by a profession. You must possess that faith. You must possess that faith. That seed had to take root in our hearts. It had to take root in our hearts and go down in order for you to go to heaven. A superficial profession of faith is no sign of salvation. There is no such thing as a saved person that's living a carnal life all the time. I'm telling you, that's a contradiction in terms. Well, could they be saved? You know, I don't really know, but I'm telling you this. I know what the Word says. And there's no such thing as a carnal Christian that's constantly living carnality but professing Christ. That's easy believism in my mind. I I don't want to give anybody any confidence about that. that You just made a profession of faith and you're fine. Okay, because I don't want somebody to make a profession and think they are and then they live any way they want. Now, living the way you want or don't want has nothing to do with your salvation, but it does show, it does show whether you have faith or not because that's what James says Give me your faith, tell me you have faith, but show me your works, he says. So who's the saved person then, Pastor Rob? The one who brings forth fruit. Look at people's lives. What's their fruit? What's their fruit? The evidence of a changed life is the fruit. Well, let's get into that, okay? Let's go to number four. Let's go to number four, look at it more carefully. This is the well-prepared heart. The well-prepared heart. This is verse 8 and verse 20. The seed gets in, the Bible says in verse 20, are sown on good ground, such as hear the word, receive it, and bring forth fruit. Some 30-fold, some 60, and some 100. By the way, in the ancient Near East in the first century, 10-fold was a good produce. 10-fold. If you threw out 100 seeds and you got 10, that's a good, that's a good produce. Here God's talking about 30, 60, and 100. He's talking about a massive amount of fruit that's going to show up in your life. Okay? There's going to be fruit in your life. Okay? Let's let's review it again. Remember? The first one, the word can't get in. The second one, the word gets in, but it can't get down. The third one, the word gets in, it gets down, but it can't get up. But the fourth one, the word gets in, gets down, and gets up. That's the one who knows Christ. I don't have to convince you of that. I'm just giving you the word, okay? It'll come up 
in your life. It bore fruit. Fruit is the test of true salvation. Fruit. You say, what kind of fruit? Holiness? Are you working on holiness? You don't have to be perfect, but are you working on holiness? Integrity? Are you working on character? Are you going to cuss on Monday? Are you going to criticize on Tuesday? Are you working on that stuff? Are you sharing the gospel with anybody? Are you getting the seed out there? Are you loving people? Okay, those are the fruits that he's talking about. See, Jesus is telling the problem is not with the seed, the problem is with the soil. The soil. Because the gospel will save. It's powerful to save anyone, but it's what people do with that seed that matters. Now, here's what he's telling us. Most of the time, we are met with unfavorable results when we sow the seed. Most of the time, we're met with unfavorable results. But sometimes, we are met with beautiful results. Beautiful results. Two takeaways. Two takeaways, and I'll be done. You think I'm going to stop early? I'm not going to stop early. These takeaways are longer, okay? I'll probably be a little earlier because I did have to time this message with the baptism service in the next service, and I couldn't go along there, so I may be a little early. That would be unusual for me, but I'll, I can make some stuff up as I go along. Number one, we don't know what will happen, but he calls all of us to throw the Word of God out freely and liberally. If you're a child of God, this is true for every one of you. We don't know what will happen, but he calls all of us to throw the Word of God out Freely and liberally. I feel that in me. That's in my spirit. Not because I'm a pastor, but because I'm a child of God. Now the drag is, the drag is, we don't know what God will do with the people we share the gospel with. That's the drag about this whole thing. So I want to be honest with you, okay? In other words, I'm I'm not telling this statistic. is just a way to get it in your head. 75% of the people I share with will reject it. They will reject the gospel. That's, that's an amazing thing. That, that's a little discouraging up front, but he still says, throw it out. Throw it out. Throw it out. Throw the word of God out. Now, do some of you need to share more often? I'm just asking you to get your heart in a way that you think this through, okay? I'm not, gonna, I'm not trying to guilt you, but, but is the Spirit of God telling you, you know, I, need, I really do need to share this more often? I do need to share this. I, I need to take my opportunities God has. Because I want to tell you, this is my advice to you, okay? Stop trying to be a horticulturist. Jesus is indiscriminate. He doesn't sit there and say, well, I've got to wait till i got to wait till I've really prepared the soil. I've got to check the fertilizer. I've got to make sure this is here. Have I watered it? Have I done all these things? I can't share the gospel until I built all this kind of life of, and I've got to make sure I've done everything before I'm going to share the gospel. No, he says, just throw the seed out. Just throw the seed out. Some will land on hard ground. Some will land in thorns. Some of the birds will get it. Some will be choked out, but just, just throw the seed out. Don't try to evaluate that thing and say, well, the only people I'm going to share with is the people who really, really are going to listen to me. And I want to make sure, I want to make sure I've built this relationship up to a way that it really is there in my life. Don't, don't do that, okay? Just throw it out. There's sometimes I give full gospel 
uh, presentations to someone else, share the whole gospel with them. There's other times I just make little comments. There's other times I just, I, I just say something that's small. I mean, there's thousands of ways you can do it. And, and I'm, I'm kind of a moody person. Sometimes I'll be so into it. Other times I won't. Sometimes I don't even know what I'm saying. Sometimes I'll say the wrong thing. Throw it out. Throw it out. Even if you say the wrong thing, throw it out. Oh, I don't want to say the wrong thing. Say the wrong thing. I'd rather have you say the wrong thing and you threw it out than to not say anything and never throw it out. I was sitting in a restaurant. I was alone. I was preaching at a church and I was at that restaurant. And I was alone, so I, I just took my phone and I was reading the Bible on my phone. And I was eating my lunch there alone. And I started crying. I'm, I'm tenderhearted, so I started crying there at the lunch table and I'm alone, and so I was hiding my tears. I didn't want anybody to see me. And, and the Word of God was speaking to me. And a lady came up to me. She saw my tears. She said, sir, are you okay? I said, yes, I'm fine. The Word of God just spoke to me, and it touched my heart. She said, oh, okay. So it's like she was a little put off, and I said, have you ever had the Word of God speak to your heart? Would you like me to share the Word of God with you? No, 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 that's okay, thank you. And she just walked away. Listen, just a little thing like that, I'm going to throw the Word out. It's not big. I don't even know if I said the right thing. It doesn't matter. I just want to throw the Word. Hard ground. Shallow ground, thorns, just throw the word. So I'm leaving the restaurant. Walking out, it was pretty busy. I remember the restaurant. Walking out. When I walk out, she steps in front of me. She says, I don't know who you are. She said, but would you pray for my children? They're going through a divorce. Yes, I will. And I said, sometime, I'd still like to talk to you about that word. Will you let me do that one day? She said, yes. And I prayed with her right there in the restaurant. We stepped outside of the restaurant, and I prayed with her. I got her number and her name. I called her kids in Clemens. And then called her. I'm just saying, you got to do it liberally and freely and indiscriminately. Don't try to get this thing down to a science. Just like Jesus. Sometimes we are more worried about being liked than we are about sowing the word. But God wants you fruitful. Don't try to be more liked than being fruitful. We're so concerned about what he said or she said or they said. 
the truth of the matter is, what they say doesn't matter. It comes down to this. Weeds don't like wheat. Weeds don't like wheat. Never have, never will. Weeds like weeds. And if they see the wheat, they want to choke the wheat. That's the way God has designed it. So you have got to decide in your life, do you want to be wheat or do you want to be weeds? That's the first takeaway. Number two, second takeaway. We are called not just to give out the gospel, but also to personally receive his word with an open heart. What do you mean there, Pastor Rob? Remember, God's the sower. The word's the seed. And sometimes he throws it at your life. You want an honest admission? There have been times in my Christian life where I've been all for those soils. I've been all for. I've hardened sometimes to my wife. I've been unresponsive to God sometimes. So I know. I know what that's like. And so do you. There have been times in my life I've been impulsive, and then God's done something in my life and said, God, if that's the way you're going to treat me. I've been so disappointed in God through my Christian life. There's been times like that. I know what it's like to only go down a little and never get up. There have been times I've been preoccupied as a pastor. The cares of the world have just kind of pulled me away. Got another deal. Got to go over here. Got to run and do this got to be with my family, got to spend this, got to do here, and the next thing you know, I'm preoccupied. Just like that. It's so easy to lay up treasures on this earth and fail to see the treasures in heaven. So easy. So I'm just being honest with you. And say, Pastor Rob, maybe you're not saved. No, I know I'm saved because I got fruit. I got fruit. I'm working on those things. I just hope you do too. See, whenever there's a great potential for harvest, the enemy will spread calamity. The enemy will spread calamity. I I really believe this. Satan knew God was always going to use you. God was going to bless you. And Satan knew God had a purpose for your life. So he earmarked your life for calamity. He earmarked your life 
He tried to get you to harden your heart, try to get you busy, try to get you preoccupied. He earmarked the spot where he was going to work in your life so your seed didn't go up. The enemy has a way to earmark the spot where you were planted. Now think about that for a minute, okay? He worked underground before you even came up. He was working years ago with you. He was getting you ready for a day to calamity to come so that all he did to plant beforehand and work around you was done way before you even knew about it. And his system was in place before you were fruitful. Because he was hoping that day would come where you'd struggle and you struggle and you struggle and you'd ask, why are things so hard for me? Why are things so hard for me? I take two steps forward and look, three steps backward. It's simple. He earmarked you when you were in the ground for calamity. Why? He wanted to keep you from being fruitful. Some of you say, he's doing a good job. Yeah, I know. But if you give God enough time and you stay faithful, you'll go from seed to wheat to bread. That's his plan. Let's pray. Joseph, heads bowed, eyes closed. I ask you to take a moment to search your own heart right now. You're here, you're a child of God. You put your faith and trust in Him. Maybe there's some area in this seed story that you know you're struggling with. The Spirit of God's speaking to you about that. He's got a plan, He wants to use you. He's got a purpose. Who are you going to trust? Are you going to trust the one who brings calamity or are you going to trust the one who is the sower? Some of you need to go forth and throw the seed out. You may mess up all over the place, but throw it out and let God work. If you're here today and you've never put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, you've never repented of your sins and said, my sin deserves judgment. Jesus, you died on a cross for me. I trust you for the saving of my soul as a sacrifice for my sin. Save me. You never prayed that prayer. You've never put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. That's where it starts, right there. And if you need to understand that more, seek me out. I'll be right here at the front. I'll be over in the hospitality room. Love to help you grow stronger in that. And may God's word work in your heart as well. And may you receive him. Father, I pray for each one in this room. Where the Spirit of God has spoken, may they hyper listen. May it draw them to fruit. Father, I lay that at your feet. In Jesus' name, amen.
Amen. Let's stand to our feet. Scott's going to lead us in this invitation song. Let's sing together. If there's a need in your heart, God's speaking to you about something personal, the altar is open for you.